0: So, friends, America Shall Be Saved, Part 6. This is the finale, and it's a good one. I was telling Brenda this is, this is uh, going to be one of my favorite talks today. And my first talking point is in our confidence that America shall be saved. Have, con- have confidence that God will use you, you on fire for him, <laughs> to help America to be saved. Now, you might think to yourself, well, how could it just be me? On fire that can make a difference. And I would say unto you what God is saying to New Song Church, He's saying to the church across America in this hour. And this is what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This is a rewind from last time, just in the introdu- introduction here, that God is moving the American church from clergy to laity to servant to the to the body of Christ, the fullness of Him who fills every and what everything in every way, the body of Christ who fills everything, the church who is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way, identity and experience. Electrifying, passionate, mighty warriors. We see a paradigm of this in the Apostle Paul in the last chapter of the book of Acts, the last little cameo there, story of when the Jews come to him in Rome. He's under house arrest, and he shares with them the gospel. They reject it, and he says, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you. You're not listening, parentheses, someday you will be. You'll listen. We know in Romans that all of Israel will be saved in the future. There'll be a mass revival in Israel. And we know that he says in his prayers, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they be saved. He taught, he's meaning the whole nation. But not now. But I'm going to the Gentiles and they will believe, they will hear. And what he means by Gentiles are the nations, all the nations of the Gentiles. When a Jew says Gentiles, he means everybody that's not a Jew. <laughs> everybody, including Spain, including Italia, including all that's part of the Roman Empire. He had an anointed anticipation that the nations would come in mass to Christ. We see shades of this, hints of this, appetizers for this in Matthew, the end saying, not just, don't just disciple people, but disciple nations. We see in Psalm 72, as, as Paul was probably, had that scripture washed over his mind and heart, that nations and rulers, all the nations and rulers, it says, will bow down to Christ and he will rule from the river, that is us, filled with the Spirit, from the river to the ends of the earth. And the glory of the Lord will cover the whole earth as the waters, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, the experience of the glory of the Lord, the intellectual reality of the glory of the Lord will cover the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. And this, these prophecies, coupled with prophecies like Reinhard Bonnke, America shall be saved. Africa shall be saved. Bob Jones, the billion-soul revival that we are on the cusp of. These prophecies in Scripture, Old Testament and New, through the Apostle Paul and the New, the contemporary prophecies that we see, these, these are a solid anchor point for the church in this hour Without this, I don't know that I could preach America shall be saved because if it, it was up to us, I don't think we could do it. But I tell you, when we are operating in the wake of God's speedboat, when we are flowing with what he has already determined that he will do and that he will do as a family matter, not doing it apart from the church, I'm doing it, but not doing it apart from the church. Then we can get on board with a level of confidence and and expectation and excitement that fills our heart with joy because we realize that in the book of Revelation it says that there'll there'll be nations that there'll be such a crowd of people that you can't even count them worshiping God from all the nations of the globe, you can't even count them. So this is the future of Jesus' life in the world and in America. And it behooves us to not be spinning around in our and believing and anything less than that, but to get on board and ski. And when he'd said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. No one forbidding him. Paul had confidence in the prophetic optimism of the Holy Spirit the prophetic optimism of the Bible, but God was speaking to him that would become the Bible, the New Testament. And Paul had confidence also in his personal, on-fire, apostolic teaching gift. He had confidence in his personal, on-fire, apostolic teaching gift. He says so in First Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. I love the Brits, I love British people, I love English people, I love some of their colloquialisms or sayings, I love it when they say, I'm happy as Larry, <laughs> referring to the boxer in New Zealand in the 1800s that won $100,000 in a boxing match and the New Zealand headline said the next day, happy as Larry. And the English people picked it up and it's been a colloquialism ever since. Something that's when someone's really happy, they say, Oh, happy is Larry. When they when they say something really moves people, stirs people, they say they this this happened. That this set the River Thames on fire. This set the River Thames on fire. Some river that flows through London. Here's a picture of it. With the Tower Bridge in the background. You heard of the Tower of London? That's there in the background on the left. Yeah. Enjoyed seeing the River Thames a few times. I love what John Stott, chaplain to the Queen of England for years and and uh, rector of All Souls, Anglican Church in London, he said this, and I just love this phrase. Listen carefully. He says, I don't care if you set the River Thames on fire. What I want to know is if I threw you into the River Thames, would you sizzle? (laughs) Augustine, great leader in the 5th century, put it this way. Run to and fro everywhere, you holy fires, you lovely fires, for you are the light of the world. And you are not to be hidden. He to whom you cleave is raised on high and he has raised you on high. Run to and fro and make yourselves known to all the nations. You holy fires, you lovely fires. My friends, I believe in the Apostle Paul's teaching anointing gift. Being on fire. And it was Peter, the Apostle Peter, that said to all preachers, preach as if you are preaching the oracles of God. Why? Because you are. It's not up to us to talk anybody into doing anything. We proclaim the simple truths of the word of God, and just like when Peter preached to Cornelius, (laughs) the spirit comes. And it's not defined, that anointing is not defined in terms of a certain emotional intensity or how much you cry or how much you levitate or how much you do anything else. It has everything to do with the fact that, I mean, Jonathan Edwards in the, second, in the First Great Awakening preached from a manuscript. He read it in a monotone. And <laughs> there's authority in preaching what the Bible preaches. There's authority to change lives. There's a transformation that, happens. Martin Luther was right in the Reformation when he said when I, when I preach God preaches. God's voice is on whoever is preaching or ministering the word. God's voice is on the word being heralded. And we hear his voice. And sometimes what you hear isn't what I think I'm saying. But God's talking and interpreting and applying in a 150 different ways he's doing that. And in the context, transition to the observation that every single spiritual gift has has that kind of anointed sizzling impact. It is crucial that in this hour, in America, we are on the cusp of America being saved, that every single one of us can identify what our own anointing is in God. What our calling is in God. And it is imperative that as we fashion our schedule, our lives, that we, that we make sure there is time for us to spend serving the body of Christ or serving the world with that spiritual gift in mind, because if we do we will have an intensification of God's fire on our lives, no less than Paul, no less than Miguel and Rosa, no less on, than me, no less than any of your your favorite christian that you admire or that you think of as in terms of being on fire for god it is a lie for you to believe that your anointing is any less than theirs i think of my uncle earl i went up to a little town yesterday drove four hours and some minutes to a little town called hopewell oregon i couldn't find it Not because my GPS was broken, but because it is so small a town you can't even see it. (laughs) It turns out it's just like one intersection with a store. I kept looking for the town. I can't find this town. Finally, I had stopped and asked someone, where's the Hopewell? And they said, just right there. (laughs) I said, well, where's Hopewell Community Church? Right there. So it's a store and a church. Went to my uncle's uh, memorial service there, it's a celebration of life service, 95 years old. He spent over 80 years living out his Jesus life in that same church that I went to yesterday. I went there 60 years ago with my cousins to Sunday school. And I was, had that time, my parents were going to a liberal theology denominational church where there was not a focus on the intimate connection with Jesus. And in Sunday school class, the teacher had us all join hands, and then she prayed to Jesus as if he was alive and real and he loved us. And even as a 7-, 8-year-old, it was like, whoa, they're talking, about, they're talking to Jesus here. <laughs> and it was so alive and so real to me, it helped even inform when I came to Christ about 10 years later that's, that thought was still in my mind that there are people that actually have a resurrection Jesus experience. So never minimize what's going on with the children. But my, there was testimony after testimony after testimony of Uncle Earl's celebrating his gift for over 80 years in that same church. There was even someone that was 96 years old that got up and talked about him from when he was like a teenager, and he passed away when he went to heaven. when He was ninety-five, and you know what his gift was? Carpentry. Helps. He took. He 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 helped people with the youth group, and he was he helping at being the treasurer of the church, and he um, he helped being on the board of trustees and different things. But testimony after testimony of after testimony of that very full church yesterday was was. Earl Compton, helping people with his hammer. And you know what the theme was? They put the verse out there, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And they said that, was, that verse epitomized what he was like for 80 years. With his hammer, that was his gift. Not, not somehow less than the preacher or, the, or someone with a more you know, vocal ministry or something, but... Uncle Earl with his hammer, and he gave himself to that gift, and as a result, the anointing on him gave him a joy that was radiant, and people observed, so his ministry wasn't just helping someone with his hammer or saw, it was was the fact that he was an atmosphere changer with joy in his life. And so I ask you, how are you doing with your own assessment of your own gift, and are you making sure there's time in your life to celebrate it? And the, one of the key ways of knowing what your gifts are is to ask somebody. We've mentioned this last time. I'm going to give you a chance to come to Christ to be saved at the end of this talk so you can start that joyful journey if you haven't yet. Be ready for that. My second talking point is... Um, Have confidence that God will use you along with with others on fire for him to help America to be saved. We all know the illustration of hot coals in the fireplace together. Take one out, set it on the hearth, and it goes out. Put it back in, and it gets hot again. There's so much power in together fire, isn't there? The Apostle Paul writing and talking here, he he ends up um, in his letters that he wrote from this two year prison experience he refers to Timothy Tychicus Epaphras uh, Timothy was an apostolic delegate that, that just uh, he, he sent out places to minister apostolically Tychicus was a, had, a, had a servant's heart that delivered letters that Paul wrote to churches and Epaphras who actually was a church planner of the Colossian church, was in prison with Paul as an intercessor, an anointed intercessor. So everybody has their gift. Every, everyone has their gift cluster and calling. And when we give ourselves to that, there is a sizzling fire on us. And it's a together factor. We stir each other up in our gifts. That's part of the together factor. Do you remember that Jesus had 12 disciples and that he had nicknames for some of them based on their anointing? Some of them were not fully flourishing in their anointing yet, but Jesus saw potential. He saw little appetizers that given his Holy Spirit poured out on them that he'd see those amplified and... Accelerated, so Jesus very affectionately had these had these uh, nicknames. You'll remember uh, Simon the Zealot. There's something about Simon, as distinguished from si- the other Simon. There's Simon the Zealot. Remember what about Jesus he said that zeal for your house consumes me zeal for your house consumes me. Jesus loves zeal. And he saw it in Simon the Zealot. So that's Simon. I love him. He's Simon the Zealot. And then there's the other Simon who's a rock. He doesn't look like much of an anchor point for us now, but he will be. I'm going to call him Peter the Rock. That's my nickname for him. And there's James and John. They've, They've got some... They grew up together fighting, I guess. They were sons of thunder. You know, Jesus is thinking, with the right work of the Holy Spirit on these guys, they could, they could actually write a book that we could put at the end of the Bible. <laughs> Would you agree that Revelation is a bit thunderous at points? In the anointing. Jesus loved, loved that anticipation for John. And you remember uh, Levi the tax collector? Maybe even accused of stealing money. Maybe he did steal some money. I don't know. But you remember Jesus saw something in him. Follow me. And he got up and followed. And I think that when he got up and followed Jesus, left his tax IRS booth behind him, that uh, I think Jesus' heart really, really leapt within him. And in his heart of hearts, Jesus is saying, you know what? This guy, Father, thank you. Thank you that he got up and he's following me. He is such a gift to me. Thank you, God, for Levi. I'm going to nickname him Matthew, gift of God. Hey, Matthew, gift of God. We're friends. Come on. We're going to work together for a while here what is your nickname? What do you think Jesus wants to call you? No, it's not bad like you're thinking, some of you. (laughs) Rebellious, hypocrite, loser. (laughs) No, some of you are thinking (laughs) that's not your nickname. You, You can ask God, what is my nickname? Or one of my nicknames. You know the Holy Spirit will tell you, and it will seem too good to be true, but it's not. This whole walk is too good to be true in our human thinking, but it's not. It's God at work in us. What's your nickname? It's beautiful, whatever it is. We can help us. We can help other people with their gifts and callings. We can ask God what someone's gifts or calling is. And, you know, in the course of our life as we are... um, communicating and it is not appropriate for us to pull back and say my personality is is quiet so I I don't I don't because of my personality I am excused from talking to other people. Some of you are looking a little mean right now. <laughs> we are called to love one another. And one of the one of the things about love is to trust enough to ask people about their lives make the circle of our life a little bit bigger and include people well, we we they don't have time to have everybody be our best friend but when we can we can we can ask people questions we people love if you ask me something about my family i'd love to tell you all about my family if you ask me about my job i could tell you a few things about my job i i could tell you six dozen things right just like that about my job i just love you you asked me about you asked me about recreation stuff I like to do. I could talk about that. You asked me about my own personal dreams and mission in my life. I could I could tell you. I could tell you about how fun it is to be to preach and to evangelize. I could go all day. It's your job to ask me a few of those questions once in a while. No, Pastor Dan, it's your job to ask me those questions. Yeah, it is. It is. One of my favorite things is to Ask God, what is this person's calling and gifting? And then bless it with my words. There's power in the blessing with words. And it amplifies and increases and, and fuses energy. I remember, newly saved, 16 years old, 17, 18 years old, uh, my first mentor, Orville and Ivory, the Shore, second generation out of the Azusa Street Revival. They mentored me in things of God. And I remember Ivorita Leah this year looking me in the eye one time and said, Dan, when I think of you, I think Bible principles applied to life. That was huge for me. No one had ever said that kind of thing to me, but it, it resonated in me like I carried that word. And my pastor, John Lancaster, shortly after that said, I was asking him, what do you think God's will is for my life? You know what he said? He said, clearly, Dan, everybody knows you're supposed to do the work of an evangelist. It, it shot me. It was like shooting me out of a cannon. It gave me permission to be myself. I tell you today, you have permission to be yourself. And that includes the kind of passion in your gift that re- that's released out of your gift, not because of a personality, passion out of a, like an effervescent, bubbly personality. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about it can even be a quiet passion but there's something about someone who knows who they are and where they're going in God and their contribution for the kingdom that releases within them an Uncle Earl joyful anointing, a Jesus anointing, a a happiness within that is akin to what it was said of Jesus He was exalted above his brothers because he had the anointing of joy. The fire of God's happiness and peace and tranquility and bliss resonating in his inner heart. Why? Because he knew who he was. And this is what we are graced into, my friends. This is what we're graced into. I, did I tell you guys about my grandson? My not grandson, my, my great nephew, Ian. I told Saturday night service. I don't remember if I told you guys that. Did I tell you that? Real quickly. On my birthday, 2-2-22, two, two, had a special gift, knock on the door. Handsome young Jehovah Witness at the door. Cool, I can witness to him. Wasn't a Jehovah Witness. I'm Ian Mickelson. I came to meet you. I'm your brother Dale's grandson, who you've never met. 19 years old. He's been watching our services. Ian, okay, if I tell your story? <laughs> Flying from Seattle to Sacramento to meet some friends, decided he'd, he'd make a po- stopover in Medford for a night to meet, meet his, his grandpa Dale's brother preacher been watching him i had talked to him on the phone met him on the first time uh almost a year earlier he was in the uh basic training he wrote me i wrote him back a few times encouraged him in the things of god he wanted to know more of our family our christian family heritage and i was able to fill in some gaps for him and one of the things i did i he wanted to go out soul winning with me which i was happy to oblige and uh he had never prayed out loud in front of anybody before. So we walked out of the restaurant where I took him out for lunch, and we found someone, started sharing the gospel, and the guy said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but I need prayer. I said, what for? And he said, I have a heroin addiction, and I want to be free. So Ian put his hand on his shoulder and started de- declare him, declaring in the most sincere words, victory, blessing, help, anointing, power. It's like he'd been doing it all of his life, first time he'd ever done it. And then you know, as we continued, we prayed with three people to be saved. It was awesome. Mickelson's at work, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then he uh, he kept wanting to gravitate to minister to homeless. Well, before he left, I got out I got out his great 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 grandfather's shoes that I have. His grandfather Dale's great-grandfather's shoes i have that he had made and i told him the story of how when he came over from denmark ship went off course and he got down on his knees on the ship my grandpa uh, Mickelson told me this story about his dad and he said if you if you'll deliver us from this storm and this this we're being blown off course here i i promise i'll serve you my whole life And he fulfilled that promise, helping start Methodist Sunday schools everywhere he went as a farmer his whole life. And I took those shoes, and I touched Ian's feet with those shoes. And I said that anointing of that promise and those prayers to the generation, to the fifth, sixth generation later that that must have been prayed that anointing of service and giftedness that was on grandpa christian that was on grandpa leonard his son that was on grandpa bill his son that was on grandpa dale his son that was on grandpa p Pe- that was on dad peter his son that's now on you you serve all your days in this gifting i laid my hands on him and i said part of that gifting is to help a homeless find salvation in Christ and it was a powerful anointed moment and I know it will be impacting in his life journey ahead let's stand up would you close your eyes would you close your eyes please I'm looking to my left. I'm wondering if you lack fire. And you want to get started with Jesus? Because if not, your life will be, no matter what you possessions you have or what you achieve, it will be like Marie Antoinette, when she had everything she could want, and she still said, "Nothing tastes." I want to tell you, there's something so cool about passion in God. I'm looking to my left. If you if you're not started with God and you want to, open your eyes and look at me. I'll misunderstand if you're looking up at me for any other reason. But if you want to be saved, you just acknowledge. I'm not going to call you up front or anything. I just want you just say it's, it's, I'm responding to Jesus. He's. He's, he's speaking to me right now. Just look up at me. Look in the center, uh, my left center. Just catch my eye. Anybody? If I'm not seeing you. Just wave at me. Center right, my center right, your center left. Look up and catch my eye if you want to give anybody a chance to get started. Okay, anybody? Starting with Jesus, look up at me. Far right, my far right. Anyone getting started? Trust we're all there then. Good. Hands on your heart. Those watching at home, same thing. Be saved. Be saved. Confess with your mouth, Jesus Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I bless this word to our hearts and our feet. Our hearts and our feet. Our minds. Our hearts and our feet, in Jesus' name, go happy ones, you fires, you lovely fires, go with joy. Thanks for being with us today. If anybody needs prayer, we have uh, Cheryl Huckel and prayer team up front coming up right now.